Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sara Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Sean Gala. Sean spent his 20s pursuing his dreams as a professional DJ and serial entrepreneur. He lived in Mexico for five years where he learned Spanish and surfed every day. From the outside, it looked like he was living a dream life. In reality, along the way, he faced many challenges from bankruptcy, from a failed business, family conflict, eating disorders, heartbreak and many breakups, emotional challenges such as anxiety, depression and low self-worth and dealing with loved ones passing away. These adversities gave Sean a depth and molded him into an ideal facilitator of men's circles. Sean founded Men's Group, a community for men to discuss a wide variety of topics. These adversities gave Sean depth and molded him into an ideal facilitator of men's circles. So he founded mensgroup.com, where men get to talk through their challenges and receive feedback and guidance, helping them grow into being even better men. So I am super excited to welcome Sean Gallet to the show. Welcome, Sean. I'm also super excited. <laughs> well, it's nice to talk to you today. Thank you for joining me. I know it's nine o'clock in the morning where you are in Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah. So please tell us a little bit about you and the work you do. I know that you have grown a phenomenal uh, community and you predominantly work with men. So share a little bit with us about what you do. Yeah. Well, first of all, despite how it looks, I'm actually not a, a webcam guy or like an OnlyFans guy with the bed and the background stuff. I just moved into a new house. We're still unpacking. So I'll have a nicer background at some point like yours. Have the books and the flowers out, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I run men's groups for a living. A lot of people don't know what a men's group is. So it's just a lot of guys don't have the opportunity to talk about stuff that's going on in their lives. Just normal, everyday, nuts and bolts guy stuff, relationship issues, breakups, um, divorces, uh, how to set boundaries, uh, how to how to manage their emotions. There are a lot of guys out there who want to become better. They don't have guys around them who can, um, you know, be be positive red male role models for them for those things they want to learn. And so, um, yeah, guys get together in men's groups. So I've been doing this for 15 years now. I started mensgroup.com, and uh, I did it because I was just living in Mexico and I felt a little lonely down there. And I threw my friends into a Facebook group, which was a new thing at the time, just to sort of talk about my relationship issues and a bunch of other stuff that was going on. And, uh, and it turns out the women didn't really take part because they felt like they had community and the, the guys were like, Oh my God, I need this. So I came by it. Honestly, I didn't mean to start a men's group, but that's what I ended up doing. And now we're, you know, uh, thousands of guys all over the world. So great because I don't know, is this true that men find it harder to talk about their emotions and their feelings? Because that's, that's sort of the generalization is it that, that we hear. Do you think that's Oh true? yeah, 100%. I see guys like expressing that fear all the time. And I can just share from my own experiences is like, I'm a guy who was pretty emotionally evolved. Like I've read a lot of books and I've done a lot of therapy and 
psychedelics and all this stuff to explore that part of myself to open up that part of myself because I was really stuck around that early on and um and that caused a lot of problems in my relationships and stuff and and uh, even even still today I still have like a fear resistance of like expressing myself emotionally with my partner or with uh, other people in certain situations why do you think that is I think it's because it was only ridiculed right like Growing up, whether it's from my dad or from uh, the guys I played hockey with or the kids at school, like, you know, there's this fear that we're going to be considered uh, weak or, you know, called names like pussies or gay or whatever. And then we won't make for good mates. You know, we biologically, it's not a very good thing. So I think there's like a, a fear of being fear of being rejected there, fear of being ridiculed. Uh, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and yeah, I think creating a community is a is a really great idea and the fact that it's just grown organically is, is a really lovely story because I know you've been through a lot of hardship in your life as well would you mind sharing a little bit about some of the things you've been through which might have led you to, to seek out this community yeah sure just quickly on the sharing topic though and the men being scared to share like I discovered by accident like basically how the how these men's groups started as a Facebook group and then the guys said hey let's go surf together because a bunch of them surf and I surf and so uh we were hanging out surfing and we spent three days surfing where I lived in Mexico and then at the end of the trip I got the guys in a circle and I thought we were going to do like a mastermind group like talking about business let's help each other level up and the first guy said my wife's had three miscarriages and I have nobody to talk to about it. And I don't know how to support her. And I watched all the other guys go, ah, and then they all shared personal stuff too. And I was like, oh, okay. So in the right environment, guys will share, but they have to feel safe. I just, I just thought that was fascinating. The guys do yeah. want to share. The guys really do want to share, but they just feel that scared, you know, but in the right environment, they will. Yeah. I mean, a lot of women think that men that are very open with their feelings is a very masculine trait it's interesting mm -hmm. to hear you saying that men might feel you know the opposite if they open up actually a lot of women do like that do want that in a partner yeah to a degree i think it's a fine line right i think i think being like a, um, a lot of guys are emotional in a different way they're like hold it in and then when they get drunk or whatever they explode and there's it's very immature emotional expression instead of like you know calm calculated like um more mature version of expressing your emotions so a lot of guys don't know how to manage that. They feel insecure about it. They've been ridiculed their whole lives for doing it. They've seen the media make fun of men, you know, doing those kinds of things. Like when Will Smith just found out he got cheated on, he cried. All of a sudden, there were memes of him crying. You know, it's like that. That the guys have just experienced that since day one. Even me growing up in like a loving household and in a first world, you know, accepting country of like Canada. I can't imagine what it's like in Australia or the states where there's even more of that attitude. You know. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to see it from a male perspective, I guess. So tell us a little bit about your background, uh, if you don't mind, Sean. Yeah, with the relationships and the heartbreak, right? That's what you asked yeah. about next. I didn't want to run men's groups, I, but I feel like um, that's where life led me. And also, I have a lot of adversity, so I can relate to a lot of guys, especially around the topic of relationships. You know, like I was cheated on by my first two girlfriends. And that motivated me to start to get into personal growth and personal development. Um, and I've just had, I, I had a, a almost seven year relationship I had to end, um, because I felt like we loved each other, but I wasn't ready for kids. And she, we, there was some mismatch and core values. That was really difficult recovering from that. That was probably the darkest time in my life. Moving on from that, um, trying to escape my feelings through women chasing sex or validation, you know, um, 
compulsive dating, stuff like that. And then again, getting cheated on by a couple of partners and then really having to like dig deep and understand those patterns. And luckily now, because I took the time to understand those patterns, I took some time off dating. I, I, uh, I met somebody and I really learned how to approach dating differently after that breakup. And that allowed me to meet my now partner. I said, I, I got to went on a lot of dates and I said no to sex. And I said no to further dates if somebody wasn't the right fit. That was the first time in my life I'd done that, which sounds silly, but I just needed that validation so badly. I didn't really care if the person was going to be mean to me later or whatever. And so luckily I met a woman three years ago and it's been a smooth, a really flowy, lovely relationship ever, ever since. And I, I, I expect to be together for a long time. A, that, that's a lovely story and, it, and, it, and it's ended up with you meeting someone I know a lot of people listening to this will be thinking you know is that how men cope then because as women you know we there are, a lot of my clients will never want to date ever again and you're there saying yeah. well I broke up so I turned to dating and sex and you know is that one of the main differences that you would see I've seen it it's a great question I've seen a lot of I mean, that's like a stereotype and a generalization, which is, uh, which are often somewhat true to a degree. And I think there are more men that do that just because they're conditioning, you know, like even when I've been through breakups, I get the advice of just get back on the horse, you know, go out there and fuck somebody else. Am I allowed to swear? I hope I'm allowed to swear. Go, for it. <laughs> go out and fuck somebody else that'll, that'll solve things. And, um, you know, I found from my own experience, that's not true. Um, but I also know a lot of women who respond that way after breakups. I also know a lot of men who don't want to do that. They want, they want to, you know, heal themselves after. So I think it's like a personal thing. Maybe there yeah. are more men that respond that way than women. I don't know. I, I see it to be about equal in my social circles. It's just more of a personal thing of how you respond to um, tough things in your life, adversity, you know, cause yeah, these women or, or men, they might not go out and bang a bunch of people, but they might drink themselves almost to death and they might, you know, be just a complete asshole to everybody around them for like two years. I don't know. So yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that's spot on. I don't think it, it is a gender thing. I think, you know, no. I think you know, the, obviously the people that come to me are the people that are most stuck and are, yes. are most frightened of, of moving on. But I do think that, you know, as, as human beings, we all react in different ways, depending on our upbringing, what we yes. saw our parents maybe do, what normal is to us. Also, you know, our own ability to cope with stress some people can cope with a huge amount of stress and still get through daily life. Other people might, you know, fall apart, and not be able to get out of bed and it's similar situations. So I guess it is a, an individual thing, not a male, female thing. Exactly. It is, yeah. it is quite, you know, I mean, I do, I do know that if you, you know, if you're reading the newspapers or whatever, it quite often is, you know, they, they do polarize us in different ways, but my experience is similar to yours that everyone is individual. Um, so Okay, let's talk about dating because yeah. you know, a lot of my a lot of my, uh, my female listeners are yeah. a little bit nervous about dating. Yes. Um, what is it that would help them to get back out on the dating scene? Now, how how do you approach men? What what are they looking for? Are they just as scared as we are in those first few few dates? You know, is that really the reality, or or is it different? It's a great question, and. Um why are you like why are they scared what what are they scared of in your experience like what, what where's the fear coming from yeah i think maybe rejection or getting hurt or not mm -hmm. spotting the warning signs that this person is maybe abusive or you know repeating the same patterns i mean ultimately ending back where they feel they are right now uh just a few months down the line yeah it's such a great question and i felt that with my dating and i observe you know lots of guys feeling that they're dating as well I think, especially if you've been hurt, you know, and there's a bit of trauma there, if it, if it 
if the breakup opened an old wound from your past or reminded you of something with your family, especially it'll be feel scary to date, you know? Um, but for me, and, and that, that was my case, you know, cause I had a, I had a kind of disapproving household and that's why I sought validation in my life. Cause I wanted to feel better about myself. So getting reject, getting broken up with getting cheated on was like in, in, in 10 times might be 10 times what's what another guy might feel or woman. Um, but for me, it's just the process of being like, okay, that was an experience with that person that doesn't apply to everybody. I have friends that are good, warm, nice people who are consistent communicators, who are sweet, who would never do something like that. So how can I go back out and screen people differently so that I can meet people like that? And at the end of the day, everybody's nervous. I was nervous when I went back out dating. Men are all nervous. Doesn't matter how good looking somebody is. Often the better looking they are, the more insecure they are. I know people that are, I have friends that are millionaires at my age, you know, the thirties and they're like insecure about that, you know, (laughs) even though that should be a positive. So for me, it was just this process of getting back out there and constantly talking myself back from that cliff, like um, coaching myself, like, Hey, Sean, it's okay. Like I just feel, I know this feels scary, but like, you know, that this person is different. You know, you, you have met all these, you have had these positive experiences before, you know, that's how I've been able to sort of get past trauma. And then I guess the last thing would be just uh, anything in life worth doing is going to be scary. So it's pushing through that fear too a little bit. And then a little plug, a little plug for you would be getting, getting coaching as well. Like I, I was going to therapy to after breakups and coaches and they helped me see, you know, take on these views and accept those things emotionally. So working with somebody like you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it does help obviously to get you know, advice with someone that's external. Sometimes friends and family, well-meaning may either, you know, pour fuel on the flames with your ex if they're emotionally involved. Yes. Or, you know, they might minimize what you're going through and, and sometimes, you know, get bored of it. You know, if you yeah. tell the same story, sometimes we can get stuck for, you know, I see clients have been stuck for years and not really got over their ex. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Get, okay. Getting stuck. Getting stuck is a real thing. Like I see guys getting stuck and unfortunately they get bitter and they end up in these. I'm sure it's the same thing for women. They end up like hating women. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of women that get bitter after being whatever cheated on or whatever happens. And then they hate men. Just know there are good people out there. There's, there are so many men I see in men's group who are like sweet and kind and successful. And they genuinely want a real relationship and they're attractive. And it's just about, I don't think people are intentional, intentional enough with their, their, their screening. That, that, was, that was the big lesson I learned from my last getting cheated on. It was super dramatic how it happened. And so I was like, fuck, I need to take a step back and learn these lessons. I really needed to like screen my partners better because the flags were there early on. They're always there that this person's going to be unfair to me or not communicate in the way that I need or our core values are mismatching. So why sleep with them and then make, make it more difficult to get untangled later? Why go on the second date if I already know that in the first date? So I was ruthless. And that ended up leading to me meeting Katie, which is fantastic because the three or four women I met before Katie were like close, you know, but I could see there was some discrepancies in core values. Hey, they wanted to spend their time, their sense of humor, uh, religious stuff. I don't know. And so I just wanted to find like a mirror of myself, somebody who's like an equal to me, who's, who, who is similar and shares my values. And I found that. And so I feel like that, that's a big thing too, is just being really discerning in your dating moving forward. Not settling, I think is key. Not settling, which is hard because you're lonely. You know, you're dealing with rejection, the apps, none, the whole process is uncomfortable. It doesn't feel very good. There's fear. 
Um, and so it can be easy to take a long, take a thing that's good. But the problem is that the little flags or little discrepancies in the beginning, you, you scale out to like years, it starts to become real big problems. I think that's why the divorce rate's so high. I don't know about you, but I think, I think people aren't intentional enough. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, when I see clients, you know, right in the, the early stages, they usually have two criteria for, you know, meeting a new partner. One, they have a pulse. And two, <laughs> they see, they show them one sign of affection. And that's it. They go into what I call limpet mode and sort of sucker themselves <laughs> to this poor person. They go, yeah. I'm never going to be alone again because being alone is, is the biggest fear, right? Yeah, it is. But the, the times, the few times I've met that incredible partner is actually the points where I've been really happy being alone. And so I think I had to get to that point after a breakup as well. That was the big focus for me. That was the advice I was getting from coaches like you is you need to focus on like being happy with yourself and being happy with your life and where you're at with things. And, and then, you know, that's, that's a really strong position to like meet somebody great because you don't need somebody at that point. You don't need to take the first person that comes along and, you know, who's, who happens to be slightly attractive and makes you feel racy you know, you can wait for the right person because your life is good enough as it is. Yeah. And, and what are your strategies for, for good communication? Because I think if you're, as you're talking about your yeah. girlfriend there, you, you have to have good communication for a relationship to work. When you don't know someone that can be tricky as you're working it out, because we don't always communicate in the same way, do we? No, it's very true. It's very true. I mean, that's part of my like discernment was like, I want somebody to communicate in the same way as me. So I was really forthcoming with that. Like I would communicate exactly how I wanted to be communicating in a relationship. Maybe not on the first day, because the first couple of dates are all about having fun, right? But I still, I was still putting out little probes to see, can this person talk about real stuff? Can they talk about their feelings? How do they respond when I talk about my feelings? So I'd say our first two or three dates were like 95% fun because you want to create a good vibe and you want to get to know each other and, and create that good start. But I was, you know, throwing out little tests, little queries. And, you know, if a woman flinched, if she, she made fun of me for something I expressed, if she, you know, didn't laugh at my dark joke, okay, well, that's probably not a good sign, you know? So I was just, I just, the more I went along in my dating career or dating life, I was like, just more honestly myself. And that doesn't mean like pouring your heart out and sharing all your problems, like on day, day one or even day five, date five, but yeah, I was just really transparent, I think. Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup take back your control and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel yeah, happy. Yeah, so I got a funny story about meeting my partner, Katie. So I, one of the things that I was looking for in a partner previously was like, 
because I was seeking validation. If a pretty girl was like, give me the, the racy eyes and like all these racy angsty feelings, you know, these, these ramped up feelings. I was used to dating women like that my whole life. And I think it was a validation thing. And I think it was a sign they actually weren't a good fit for me typically. And so when I met Katie, my now partner, she was actually like, we, we met on an app, which I didn't believe in, but it worked. And that's the other thing. I was so transparent about who I was. I was like, fuck this. I'm tired of looking cool. I'm going to be honest. I like talking about my feelings. I like philosophy. I like, I run men's groups where we talk about really touchy feely stuff. And it's the number of leads I got went way down. The number of interactions I had went way down, but the quality of them went way up. And so I started meeting women who are on the same page. So I met Katie and we started talking she started bombing me with audio notes. Not, not, not like a ton, but like, you know, a, a couple a day, just updating me on her trip that she was on. Um, and I was like, Ooh, that's a lot, you know? And then I talked to my friends, my close friends, my guy friends who are in my men's group. And they're like, dude, that sounds like you, you're the audio note guy. You're the over communicator. And I was like, oh, right. That is me. Maybe this is good for me. So like sometimes the, you know, with Katie, I didn't have these ramped up anxious um, fairy tale romance feelings in the beginning, but I was attracted to her and she communicated in a very similar way. So very early on, the signs were there that we like wanted similar things from a relationship. And ultimately, we wanted to share our day-to-day -day lives with each other. And so early on, I had, I, I got to observe that about our communication. Well, I think that's really cool the way you met. I mean, interestingly then, so it wasn't those sparks flying, even though you were attracted and it just took a bit of time. How did she feel about you? It was similar. Like she's felt more, she's, she's been with partners where she felt a bit more ramped up anxiety for both, for both of us. It just felt like, wow, I really like spending time with this person. This person puts my nervous system at ease. Wow. I do find this person attractive, but that wasn't the predominant factor. Like there, there was not a, an angst, but there was no angst about it. It more felt like home. Yeah. Really there, there's a very significant difference in those experiences of me, like angstily, angstily pining after somebody versus just like meeting this person. And then kind of being like, oh, she's like me. So this is very easy. She has the same love languages. She's you know, wants the same kind of communication. She shares the same activities and interests for the most part. Um, you know, we have similar family upbringing, similar family trauma. <laughs> so it all just like kind of flowed. It just felt very um, flowy. I wouldn't say easy, but flowy, you know? Yeah. So your belief would be then that the more similar you are, the the easier it is to have a successful relationship for me that's the case and for other people that's the case because i think we hit, we all have these core values that like we can't get around those are in us they're never going to change for example for me i love the outdoors i love the ocean that's never going to change for very good reasons you might look at me and go oh surfing he's immature or whatever or you might not understand it but i grew up the only place where i saw my dad truly joyful was in the ocean and he taught me everything about the ocean when i was like three four five spirit you know anyway so like for me that's a very important thing how you spend money religion um yeah how, how you spend your free time what work means to you like all these things are in you and they're never going to change and you can compromise on them but over time if your core values don't match it ends up causing friction and resentment can couples manage that yes they can i didn't want to sign up for a life of that because i had a six almost seven year relationship where that was the case and i was like every weekend we fight over what, what we were going to do you know, every month we'd fight about money every, and I was like, I just want somebody who sees the world like I do. And it turns out that that makes for a very flowy, low maintenance, but still passionate relationship. I mean, 
I, I agree. I think, you know, those core values, you're not going to change and somebody ends up no. sacrificing. Although, you know, again, how you adapt to changes in lifestyle, like having children, you know, they're all going to, that's going to change things, right? Totally. Definitely. And Katie didn't share every interest of mine. Like she was more into triathlon sports and I was more into these adventure sports, but we both shared the value, the core value, which under, underlies those things, which is we're both active and healthy and we like um, doing sports. And so I've taken on road biking with Katie, even though I never wanted to. And I used, used to make fun of them on the side of the road, wearing all their spandex, because that's something we can do together. I don't love it, but I bought a bike because she likes it. And she surfs now and loves that now. And she skis with me and all that stuff. So we've you don't have to, you don't have to be like a exact copy of each other. In fact, I think that'd be kind of boring. You want to share those core values. And of course, life's going to get in the way. People are going to die. You're going to have kids. You, you might get sick. You might not be able to do those things you used to do, but at least on a daily or weekly basis, you're not going to be at odds with each other, like consistently rubbing up against each other. Eventually that's just, that's just a recipe for resentment. You can't get around it. Yeah. And, and when we talk about resentment there, I mean, I think it's interesting because conflict resolution is also key in a relationship, isn't mm. it? Understanding how you each deal with conflict. Mm. Um, what do you think? Do you think men tend to deal differently with conflict or again, is it an individual thing? That's a great question. Um, I definitely do think that men are not well equipped enough, not, not well trained enough to deal with conflict. Um, and be also for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're, they're not actually taught the logistics of how to do it. Like, okay, take a step back, take a breath, consider their point, you know, um, express how that makes you feel. Instead, they just kind of go into default mode, which is like defensive or, or frustrated or angry. But number two, men don't have an, a lot. Most men don't have any concept of their emotions. I met a guy recently who's a neighbor of mine, sweet guy. I really like him. His wife said to me when he left one day and wives all often confide this kind of stuff in me. I don't know why it's not, it's probably not a good thing, but she said, uh, uh, my partner, he only thinks he has two emotions, happy and angry. And I was like, wow. Cause for me, it's like, there's such subtlety to emotions. i sometimes I feel morose or like down or excited or, or, or you know, there, there's so much to emotion. So I think men just also don't, don't understand their emotions enough to really, manage conflict and so i think they're they're unfortunately a lot of them don't have the toolkit so what would your advice be then to any women listening who might very much resonate with your neighbor who's yeah. told you that about their partner what would your advice be to to improve or cope or manage with that situation oh i don't know if i have any advice because the person kind of has to want to to learn about that themselves like yeah you, you can buy them books you know emotional intelligence or whatever but it's like the emotions wheel would be the one tool that I think that a lot of guys respond well to. That's been shared in men's group. It's this wheel that's like in the middle, it's the five basic emotions, but then it spreads out to be more specifics and it spreads out to more specifics. Like you could say I'm angry, but you could say I'm agitated and frustrated. That, has, that um, a lot of men have said that's helped them um, learn how to express their feelings better. But in general, people need to want to change that themselves. Like your man ultimately wants to, um, needs to want to grow in that way because typically forcing people into personal development doesn't go very well yeah so i guess that doesn't bode well then if one person doesn't want to and the other person does but if they're open to it i guess you can go on that journey with them you can't oh yeah if, even if they're open to it a little bit you know that can start and it could be a tool like a coach a coach like you it could be a book it could be a podcast it could be uh, this little image i'm talking about on the 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 emotions color wheel or whatever like as long as they're open to it somewhere 
Yeah. The, the emotions were, you said there were five core emotions. Do you remember? I don't, I don't actually know how many there are. I'd have to look at the, okay. I mean, I can look it up right now if you want, but people can Google it themselves. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an emotions expert necessarily in that way. <laughs> I think <it's laughs> let, me pull out my, let me pull my flip chart here. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's very true though. What you were saying though, about there being some, some core emotions, but we are stuck in just the big label. And sometimes when you're stuck in the big label, it's hard to process. It's hard to cope with it. We really need to break it down. And also what anger means to me, is going to be very different, different to what it means to you or that guy that your, your sure. neighbor was talking about. Yeah, I mean, anger to me, I rarely lose my temper. Very, very rarely. If I do, mm -hmm. something seriously wrong, take on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I usually show anger as more frustration or internal stress for me. So you may not even know that I'm angry if I'm angry, which, yeah. you know, but, and what you're saying is men go, you know, maybe go to anger more readily. Um, yes, because that, that, that's, that, yeah, that's an emotion they've been taught by their parents and in sports and the media that's fine. If I like even growing up, if I hit a guy and tried to fight him in hockey, my dad would go, good job, you know, but if I said, Hey dad, I'm feeling sad. He'd say toughen up or, you know, my friends would call me a pussy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, to be clear, I also see women being absolutely terrible at conflict, at least the ones that I've dated. So for me, when I was, when I went through, through all this dramatic break, breakup and stuff and being cheated on in a pretty dramatic way, that was one of the things I decided that I wanted and my next partner was somebody who could close the loop in conflict because I kept dating people that were kind of similar to my dad, which is usually how it works. By the way, you, you tend to look for the, the parent that you had the most conflict with to try to resolve that. But um, yeah, I used to date people who were like my dad that would be like, we get halfway through a fight and they go, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And they'd walk away and then they'd, they'd, they'd ice me out for like hours or days. And I'm sensitive to that because that's what I grew up with. So that would drive me insane. And so I, I need, I, 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 my friends are like this. Why can't I find a partner who could be like this, who could close the loop? And so that early on, maybe like a few weeks or a few months into dating Katie, we had, we had a first little disagreement and I was like on hyper alert to see it, how she'd respond. And she, she was able to communicate her feelings. Well, we like got in the fight. She expressed herself. I expressed myself. We accepted each other, acknowledged each other, and then we made up and then made up both verbally and physically. Uh, and so that's why I say this relationship has been easy and flowy. It's not because we don't have difficult conversations or we don't have to work on the relationship. It's because when we do get into conflict, it's pretty quick to move through it. I think our biggest like tiff has been maybe like we're frustrated with each other for like half a day or like a couple hours or something, you know? And so moving through conflict is like really important in a relationship. I think it could be the one of the most important things beyond attraction and core values. Yeah. And again, you're right. You know, there are, you know, a lot of women who get very angry and a lot of men who get angry too. So it's, it is again, an individual thing and it, and it's about finding the right partner for you. It doesn't mean that getting angry is, is necessarily wrong. It's just, you've got to find somebody that works with you. If you understand that you communicate in a similar way, it could work couldn't it? Yeah. And I've seen partners, I've seen people come together who neither of them want to close the loop in conflict. They'll both, they'll both just say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And then it's just never spoken about again. And that's fine. It works for them. At least, at least it looks like it does, you know? So I'm not saying that that's like a bad thing either. This is just, I'm more sensitive. I want to close the loop in conflict. Um, but there are people who don't, especially avoidant attachment styles. You know, they're, they're not going to want to close the loop. They're going to want to run and shut down. And so, and it actually makes them uncomfortable if somebody's trying to close the loop with them, if somebody's trying to go deeper. So yeah, to avoid ends meet, they, they can just say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It, 
could be happily ever after. And that's really interesting too, isn't it? Because if you do have people, as you were saying before, having very different communication styles yeah. in a relationship together, they're going to take that as a personal attack when actually what it is, is a learned coping strategy and the only option yes. that they have in their toolkit. So it's not a personal attack. So when you feel unloved or you know rejected by that person because of the way they're dealing with, say, maybe the anger, it, it's, it may not be. I mean, obviously it could be in some circumstances, but it may not be anything to do with you. That could be the most loving response they have to shut down and walk out the door, but that's what they've learned. Totally. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, if communication doesn't line up, it will feel very personal. That's the problem with it. People think, oh, we have these differences in communication styles or differences in core values. It's not a big deal. You know, opposites attract all these things you hear, but it's like, it's hard not to take that stuff personally from the most important person in your life. Like if I'm sensitive to that and they're like shutting down and walking away from me and I find that very painful, that's going to take a toll. Like I'm not going to be happy in my life because that's my most important person. You know, and it's, it's the same thing with attachment styles. I don't know if you talk about attachment styles much on your show, but that's, that's the most definitive framework for like understanding if is this person a good match for me? I don't know if you've, you've have you gotten into that in much? Not so much. So you go ahead. Yeah, go for it. I love the book it. attached it, listeners, anybody who's listening, man or woman break up or trying to figure it out. Like the uh, book attached is the best relationship book I've ever read. I thought five love languages was good communication yeah. style, Very you chatting. know? Yeah, how, how you express love. Attached was even better. It basically says that how you experience intimacy growing up is how you will respond to intimacy in relationship. So if you found intimacy steady and consistent and loving, you'll be secure right in the middle of the spectrum, right? And if you experienced um, intimacy as uh, hot and cold, kind of like how my life was, like my dad's a really warm, loving guy, but he could also be very hard on me. I will be anxious for that love, right? I, I will have learned to be anxious for intimacy, pine after it ruminate, um, dwell on it, you know, be a little needy, chase it, chase that validation. However, the third attachment style is avoidant. So if you, which would be over here, I guess, in my little diagram, if you found intimacy to be pain, if you found it hurtful, which is just your interpretation, everybody's different, but if you found it hurtful, you will be avoidant. So whenever things get tough, whenever tough conversations come up, whenever things get too deep, you'll run, you'll shut down. And so I kept dating, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm over here on the anxious spectrum. I kept dating avoidance. So what would happen is I'd lean in trying to be closer. They lean away. That would make me lean in more. They lean away more. And we both be not be getting what we wanted. Right. And so that was the biggest difference for me is when I started dating women that were also anxious or secure, I felt way more secure because they also were leaning in in the same way that I was. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really interesting. I mean, yes. obviously everybody is different and that's not a male female thing that's just your individual personality and what you've yeah. grown up yeah. with right yes and attachment styles typically don't change like with katie because we're both anxious and she's a little bit more secure than me she's a little bit more in the middle um i'm more secure so i with her i don't feel any, any anxiety i'm not ruminating about her i'm not worrying about her or jealous or any of that stuff um but with partners who were just avoidant by nature their nature like i would be way more anxious i would not be able to stop thinking about it not be able to stop communicating with them. Uh, yeah, this is, I recommend people use that when they're sizing up their next partner or considering whether their partner is a good fit or not. Yeah, I mean, I think everything you shared today has been really useful, you know, screening first and 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 not, you know, saying no if you don't think there's a future. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, also looking for aligned values. I think, again, that's really good advice. Finding someone that you know is going to be an easier ride with than someone where you're going to have difficulties from the get-go 
Um, and and yeah, I think you know conflict resolution, all these things, communication styles. I think it's all been really, really great advice. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about you and your work? Yeah, just mensgroup.com. That's all we got. We don't have any social channels. Go to mensgroup.com. Uh, if you know somebody that could use that kind of thing, we have free men's groups, a free community. They can come in and check it out and see other men like me talking about the real stuff. And if I could leave with just one parting piece of advice, because your listeners are mostly women, correct? It, it's that there's so many great guys out there. Like we have 50, we have 15,000 guys in our community. So many of them want to better themselves. So many of them want to learn how to communicate better. So many of them want to improve their health. They want a deep and meaningful relationship. And uh, yeah, I just want to encourage you that they are out there, you know, and, and if you just take the time to find the right guy, it's worth it. Oh, I love that advice. I think you're, you're so right. I have one last question for you, Sean. Yeah, 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 great. All my guests, all my guests. Yeah. So my podcast is called Heartbreak to Happiness because I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you. So even when you're in the midst of dating and getting maybe your heartbroken, then you can tap into that happiness along the way. So what is happiness for you, Sean? It's a great question. And I don't know if you're going to like the answer. So at the surface level, happiness for me is surfing. It's the things I enjoy, surfing, playing music, you know, having good conversations like this. I, I have a little bit of an issue with the word happiness lately because for me, it used to be an anxious chasing thing. Like, oh, if only I could be happy. Like, oh, maybe if I can get to this place, then through external achievements or through external possessions, maybe then I will be content. So now um, what I'm trying to go for is grounded contentment. I'm trying to be content with my life day to day. Am I just feeling okay, pretty good about where I'm at? You know, if the answer is yes, well, that's better than 99% of the people. And that's really the best I could ask for. And of course, these things that give me the peaks of happiness, the spikes, surfing, kiteboarding, um, I don't know, doing this podcast with you, getting to know you. It's like, that's it for me. Yeah. I love it. Great answers as always. Thank you, Sean. You've been a fabulous guest. It's been a great conversation. Uh, enlightening and yeah thank you so much I know you have inspired many of my listeners today so thanks for being a fabulous guest thanks Sarah this is so nice and I uh, appreciate you guys listening and check out just get access to tools like like Sarah or a men's group or women's group or whatever just keep keep moving forward you can do it awesome. absolutely that's it for today's episode. Do be sure to head on over to mensgroup.com to check out more about Sean's work and join one of his groups if you're a male listening. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to one of Sarah's virtual retreats. The retreats are a transformative combination of live webinars with Sara herself, coupled with empowering online video programs designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sara's free gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.